Hello, welcome back to the Brace Yourselves podcast, episode 14. I'm not really going to number this episode because it's like a compressed amalgamation of all the episodes that should have been over the festive period. And no, listeners, we are not lazy. There were just simply too many games of football and the turnaround period would have been hellish for me. So I elected to do a festive recap, a football festive focus, Ian. Very nice. Well, it's good to be back anyway. It is good to be back. Happy New Year to anyone who's listening. I hope your team and yourself are having a delightful start to the new year. Some teams aren't, and um, yeah, that's just the way it is. 2021 is no fun. But, Ian, what i got to start off by saying is, and I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard it plenty, 21 is coming, 21 is downloading, Man United are going to win the league. Just so, getting that patch update, it's coming through. It's coming, it's updating, we're ready. Uh, I wanted to wait to record this podcast. I, I explicitly messaged Ian and said, listen, I want to wait until after the Liverpool game before we do this because I wanted the full the full comprehension of what this could mean yeah. to United if, if Liverpool were to drop points last night. And obviously, I'm terribly sorry, Liverpool fans. And Richard, if you listen to this podcast... You were talking shit about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer at the start of the season. Oli is king. Jurgen flop inbound. Okay? Well, this is why you never come for Harley. He banks that information and waits for that moment because he knows it's coming and he'll go straight down your throat. You're never fucking say dead anything. to me. <laughs> fucking dead! No, listen. I'm not going to get too carried away. I've been apprehensive. I haven't been on social media touting about United. All, yeah, My Twitter is basically the platform for me to banter other football fans that that's what it's for but i i'm never on there going glory glory man united or anything because <laughs> you know there's a common phrase in the i guess the video format space of podcasting and football journalism which is essentially people say clip that up when someone makes an outrageous comment like united are going to win the league when they're 16th and then you know or whatever or that yeah, sure. even look unfortunately because united's misery has been the last seven years has been relatively unsuccessful. I would be inclined to think that even if we were by some miracle to go to Anfield on the 17th of January, beat Liverpool and go six points clear after beating Burnley as well, I still think we could lose the league. So I'd rather just wait until there's like one game, until it's mathematically settled, then I will become the most insufferable human being you have ever met in your entire life. I will be... Like, wait, it can I get see, it oh, it can. Worse. It can. I could, I've already seen United fans saying, what am I wearing to the parade? <laughs> People are getting carried away. But I had a, a delightful festive period. And actually, hang on, Ian. I was going to wear it today. Ooh. Hang on. I'll be back. <laughs> oh, yes. Take a look at this bad boy. You see that there? This is the greatest Christmas, Christmas gift. Outrageous Christmas jumper I've ever seen. <laughs> What is it? Let's all come adore. It's come let us adore him. It's um, just to plug out, it's from the United stand. I got it as a Christmas gift. It is a Bruno Fernandes festive jumper. And Bruno is simply the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> He's all I've ever wanted for Christmas. That is outrageous. That, it's class. <laughs> it's class. It's the best. People were like, PS5, that's what I want for Christmas. No, this jumper, I was like, this is the best fucking gift I've got all year. And damn right it is. Now, we've spoken about United, and I'm very happy and jovial, and I'm sure it's infectious to some and irritating to others. However, Ian, Spurs did not have a good festive period. However, you are still 
in the title race. Indeed. It's, it was rocky. It wasn't enjoyable, but post-festive period, it's starting to look okay. We're starting to look back on form to some degree. I mean, Harry Kane, 10 goals, 10 assists, first in the Premier League this season. So we're looking, I'm not going to say anything. Like, you know, I had my moment. We had the moment where we were top and it was enjoyable. And clearly Arsenal have just been waiting for this moment to see us slowly go down the table. And they're like, ah, now this is where we start playing. So I'm going to keep my words in my mouth. But I am hopeful. I think we still look okay. We still look strong. We just had a small stumble. But is it our turn to take the league? I don't know. I think it's still just kicking around, you know, fourth, fifth, maybe third, maybe second, if we're going to push it. But I don't think it's our league to take. Well, it's interesting you should say that. I think the, the important thing to remember about this Premier League season and the wackiness that has basically happened over the festive period is that any I believe fully that any team can win this league this year. It is absolutely crazy. There, I think between first and like ninth, I think there's only a seven-point gap and we're nearly halfway through the season. So for me... It's literally about consistency. And I think this echoes when Leicester won the Premier League. When they won the Premier League, they yeah. were so consistent, and that's why they won it. Other teams were dropping stupid points. Look who's dropping stupid points. Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea. Don't even get me started on how bad Chelsea season's going. It's an absolute yeah. joke. So... I think, you know, we all get ahead of ourselves and have a little bit of banter. I run off screen and put the Bruno Fernandes jumper on. But, yeah, football's about joy, right? And at, at this point in time where we've gone back into a national lockdown, where everyone's feeling a bit rubbish and miserable, we still have the escapism that football provides. And, yes, listen, there's only one team in the Premier League who I would not want to be a fan of right now, and obviously that is Sheffield United. Oh, like, games... Bless them. Every time they go out every weekend and they're like, we're going to play, guys. We're going to go for it. And they go for it and they just can't do it. And it's so harsh to see. Like, no matter what, even against Burnley, they were so close and they're shut out again. They take it to every team, but it's just not happening for them. It would take a true Christmas miracle <laughs> for Sheffield United to survive the drop at this point. They are relegated. I think we oh, all know that. Yeah. There's, there's no coming back. And they've also presented themselves as low-hanging fruit to every competitive team in the league. You know when a big club goes to them, or even an attacking unit goes to them, Sheffield have no answer because they're so beaten down emotionally by their consistent lack of success that I don't see them correcting the course. I think their only goal right now is to get a win. Like That is their elation point. If they get a win in this league, I think they'll be over the moon. Because they don't even have right now. Someone said to me the other day, and I kind of agreed with them, they're like, if you're a Sheffield United fan, it's going so badly, surely you would consistently bet against yourself and make money. Yeah, that's all they're doing. I've never been that way. I've never, ever, 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 ever bet against Man United or England. I can't do it. There's something in my DNA that won't let me. But if it was that bad, I may consider it just for some financial r relief in terms yeah. of mood and, t and a bad attitude because... Like Chef, I feel I feel terrible for them because I have a feeling they are going to break the lowest points record at this rate. Yeah, and that's you don't want to see that at all. That's the one thing you don't want to see. Like, yeah, have a bad season, but don't have the worst season on record. That's not what you want. 
I think Jamie Vardy wants to see it though. Of course, of course, that's all he cares about. <laughs> but we we won't stir that pot again. Okay, so listeners, this week's going to be slightly different. Usually, we have our traditional format of we recap the weekend and then we do a brace showcase and then we do our predictions. We've already sorted out the out-of-date head-to-head results from a couple of weeks ago uh, off-screen. So we'll tell you what the new score is at the end. Then we're going to do our predictions for the coming weeks and we'll go back to a weekly basis after this point. However, there will be no brace showcase today just because there were so many braces scored. I can't do one for them all. And two, I think something like 40 games were played in the time that we did our last podcast to now, which is mental. And probably a testament to why the Premier League does need a winter break. We've gone away, or I've gone away, and Ian's gone away, and we've come up with our Christmas crackers, what we thought were the best games, as a neutral, as a fan, over the Christmas period, our five Christmas crackers, or six Christmas crackers, rather. And we'll talk about those games and the general state of the table and season projections and how we think certain teams' festive periods did. And then we've got some talking points after that about what's going on outside of football, the larger issues of football at the moment due to COVID and such. So, Ian, where would you like to start? Should we start with Spurs? You want to start with Spurs the other day? Yeah, we can start with Spurs last the other day. Yeah, was it last night? No, I don't know what day of the year it is. I can't lie, going in, slightly tense. We know how Leeds are. We know they can attack and they'll come for you. And they did come for us to begin with. But once more, we looked comfortable and we went forwards with effort and you know we got a good break at the beginning with Bergwijn going down in the box I'll take that any day of the week so it looked good I can't get too much behind it because as we always say your team wins it's great there's not a lot to say like it's nice to see the, the guys back on form and again Harry Kane assist goal if he continues that trajectory as he seems to want to beautiful just keep doing it goal assist goal assist goal assist I'll see it all day every day I have two things to sort of discuss with you about this game. One, obviously, it was a course correction that was much needed because you had a couple of bad results. Obviously, you'd lost at home to Leicester, which was a shock result to everyone. Yeah. Then Mourinho stepped into some old bad habits, I think, in a sense of he played the way that he used to play at United and Chelsea, where he didn't play this hybrid evolution, which he's currently playing, which is attack when you can, defend when you must. Now he went back to his get a goal, defend the lead, end up drawing mentality, yeah. which I asked you at the start of the season, you know, if, if you play that way, are you happy to? And I think you said to me, yes, as long as we win. When you don't win, it's the worst feeling in the world because teams like Wolves, you know are going to be competitive. You got, a, you got an early goal against them and they scored in like the 85th minute. Yeah, and then, you know, you drop points against Palace as well. It, you needed this palate cleanser. That's what I, I see it as. New year, new Mourinho, new Tottenham. Sure. Time to reignite the fire. Do you think this is a bit of a false dawn? I, I think you need to see you win the next three games before we can sort of start talking about Mourinho getting it right again. Yeah, 100%. I think we spoke earlier in the week when the Fulham game got postponed and I was very happy about that because I felt like we needed that break. We were on that trajectory just to continue going down. Had we played Fulham? Yes, we may have won. That's a winnable game, but Fulham would attack. Leeds, again, we know they're going to come at you, but it's a winnable game. I, I am happy that we won in a comfortable fashion, but it doesn't indicate anything greater than that, that we are you know, back on form, that we're continuing with this. And as I discussed right at the beginning, where we were talking about where we're going to land in the league, I still don't feel like we're at that level yet. 
Whereas, you know, you look at Man United and you've got that effort. You feel like you're going somewhere. Spurs, I still haven't got it because we've been in this position so many times. Just historically, the past five seasons, we've always done this. We're doing well, then we drop massively, then we do well. There's no consistency. And I just wonder, is that Spurs as a team or is it managerial? Because two managers have been there now and they're doing the same thing. I think mentality is key here. Mm. For the longest time, Spurs have been called bottle jobs, um, weak mentally. We'll see tonight, right? So, uh, yeah. listeners, if you don't know, Spurs are playing their Carabao Cup semi-final tonight against Brentford. If they win, they'll be going to a cup final, which will be great for morale. I fully expect you to absolutely batter Brentford. Mourinho should be super serious about this. If he thinks there's a chance you can't win the Premier League, which he probably does on some level because maybe you don't have the quality and depth in midfield and defence that you need to do what Mourinho wants to do, which is essentially be impossible to break down and break. Obviously, you've got the world-class attacking talent of Son and Harry Kane. That goes without saying. But I think maybe he's looking for reinforcements. Maybe this month. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Spurs go into the transfer market and buy maybe a defender or another holding midfielder. I expect you to win. I expect him to go balls to the wall tonight. I don't expect to see a rotation Spurs size. I think he wants you to get to the final, feel like you're contenders, feel like you're champions, because it will have a role on effect yeah. on the way that you perform in the Premier League. That would be my opinion. I mean, I, I want to see the same. I want them to take the game seriously. I don't want it to be, oh, it's Brentford. We can roll this over. I want to see Spurs going out and treating games seriously at this point because we keep slipping up. We keep having issues. And you can see that mentality. Like, Doherty is a great point to talk about. Like, getting himself sent off right towards the end. He's just flying in because he's just annoyed and you're 3-0 up. Why are you annoyed? Because you're not getting the ball. You're not making the plays that you want to. So you're annoyed. It's just not needed should never have got himself sent off. That that reeks of the frustration in the Spurs yeah. camp, in my opinion, because you were in such a strong position. That's what you've got to remember. Even though Spurs are not entitled to win the Premier League or have grounds to think that they could because there's no precedent for it, you will be frustrated because you were in such a strong position. And I tell you what, the mental game or the mental deficiency that was caused by you losing to Liverpool cannot be overlooked. It can't. Because that 90th minute winner by Firmino yeah, maybe it was justified just about. It's deflating. And I feel like the whole festive period, Spurs have been completely deflated. And now it's the new year. It's the new you. I know it's the cliche of everyone going, new year, new me. But that's the way you have to look at it. Yeah. Because there is so much potential in this Spurs squad. You know, Harry Kane and Son, I didn't know this. I thought they had to get one more. They have levelled the Premier League record. No, they've broken it, sorry. They have broken oh, the Premier really? League record for single goal contribution in a Premier League season. They are now joint top with Alan Shearer and Chris Sutton, who have the foot, the just the English football yeah. record. There's, they've played 16 games. There's still another 22 games, and they only have to combine for one more goal to make Premier League history. Yeah, and I think to beat... Frank Lampard and Didier Drogba's record, which is the total contribution over the course of a career in the Premier League, they have to get four more. They're definitely going to do it. It's, yeah. it's not even close. And they could amass a tally, which would never be able to be recreated, essentially, sure. unless Magneto and Professor X started playing football together. 
Yeah, that's the, that's the only way it's going to get beaten. That's kind of like what it's watching with these guys. You know, Kane just kicks it. You know Son's going to be there. You know Son kicks it. Kane's going to be there. That's how it feels right now. It doesn't, you're never like, you know, the cross has gone into the box off of Son. You know Kane's head's going to meet it. You don't even need to look at the screen. I will not stand for this Harry Kane slander that's going around on social media. He's not that good. He's Harry Payne. He's a penalty merchant. Shut up. The man's got 10 goals, 10 assists in the Premier League. The disrespect he gets for being an English footballer is outrageous. No one's saying that to Hume Son, are they? Oh, you know, you get fed the ball. You're the focal point of the attack. Irrelevant. They play well together. They're both world-class footballers. And, you know, in my opinion, Harry Kane is one of the best Premier League strikers we have ever seen. And he's only 27. Good result. Yep, one I'll certainly take. We have to speak about Leeds briefly, and that will lead us on to the other, Leeds res- uh, the other two Leeds results, and it will lead us yeah. nicely onto them. But there's two sides to the Bielsa coin, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot of plaudits and praise. There was a managerial award in Europe recently, and he was voted third because of his attacking intent. We've previously spoken about how Guardiola rates him as a manager, took a lot of his ideas, improved them, and that's what he built the foundation of his football on. The problem with Bielsa is, I don't think he's ever won a trophy in Europe, and he's held in a very high regard, which is perplexing, but I can understand why. It's sort of like, I can only equate it to something in film, like maybe he's a, a journeyman character actor where everyone's like, oh, that guy's fantastic in everything he does, but he never wins the Oscar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the way, I guess, the cult figure that Bielsa has formed in modern day football. I have a slightly different perspective on it. I enjoy the relentless attacking football and the indignance they have about the way that they play. However... I do think there is a huge element of naivety when it comes to playing the quality top six, traditional big six clubs. Because, yes, they got a 1-1 draw with a misfiring City. Yes, they got a 0-0 draw with 10-man Arsenal. Those results will happen. But as we know, Ian, 3-0 against you, where you weren't overly going for it in terms of attacking. You were just essentially doing what a good boxer does and counter-punching them. And absolutely devastating them. They never stop, even when they're getting absolutely battered. And I can say this more than most because the second game we'll talk about is the one that featured Mr. Scotty Too Hotty, Mr. Scott McTominay, the McTerminator, the McSauce, whatever it may be. Manchester United 6 leads 2. I genuinely couldn't believe what I was seeing. This game was hyped up as this huge rivalry. Uh, I think Calvin Phillips, uh, lead CDM in the, the weeks building up to the game was slagging United off, saying, you know, United will never win anything again, blah, 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 with, with Paul Pogba, et cetera, et cetera. They talk a good game. Leeds talk a good game and they show a lot of heart. But we were absolutely battering them. Yeah, they got two goals. Does that save face for you, Ian? No, see, this is what I was going to jump in and say. Like, you can't play one side of the game and not play the other. Like, he's getting plaudits for being an attacking-minded manager, but you can't just play that game. You have to defend, and you need to know how to bring your team back. Like, if they were going out two for nail every weekend and pulling themselves all the way to the back and stopping everything, like, that is a team you don't want to carp against. But right now, they're 
as you said, they're basically working as if they're Terminators. They're just going to keep walking into the battle fire. They're going to keep walking into the danger without considering the consequence of that. They're just going to keep going forward. They're the classic uh, beaten down team that's just going to keep going. You know, Tom Hardy and the Warrior, his arms dislocated and he's like, yeah, come on, I'm going to keep going. It's like, no, just drop back for a minute, reassess. Think about what you're about to do. Don't just keep going for it because you know it's just running against machine gun fire. And look what happens. Man United take on, yeah, you get two men, get two goals past the post, but you've conceded six. It's it's not style of football. I think the issue with this mentality is Norwich had it last season, right? Where they balls the walls. We won't we won't change the way that we play. We're going to continue to play attacking football because that's what we've done in the Championship. However, obviously Leeds have slightly more quality than Norwich and that's why they're currently, I think they're 12th in the Premier League. So, they will burn out. If you play that tempo, that intensity, every single week, you will burn out. And Bielsa is historically known for having mid-season drops in form. It's a it's a coming. It's a coming. Yeah. And yes, there's another game which we'll speak about after this one. We'll show the two sides of the coin. This is the bad side of... Bielsa's uh, mentality when it comes to football, the stubbornness, the pride, the indignance, because mm. United were 3-0 up after 20 minutes and in cruise control. And instead of saving face, because a lot of Leeds fans been, have been talking about this game for a very, very long time. United and Leeds is a heated rivalry, which is a foundation and a cornerstone of the Premier League. And a lot of those fans would have been waiting to play us to get absolutely slapped up like that must have been the most devastating thing in the world. If I was, if United had been rele- relegated to the championship for a prolonged period of time, come up and Liverpool would beat a 6-2 in our first season back, I would be crushed, literally crushed. Mm. And look, if you don't know, listeners, you listen to podcasts, you probably are well aware there are certain fan channels that do watch-alongs for games when they play. For for a bit of sick schadenfreude, and because I'm a sick bastard anyway. Yeah, of course I went and watched some Leeds fans reacting to the game because, you know, football's banter, isn't it, at the end of the day? But they were all crushed. Every single Leeds channel that I went to, a shout-out special on Leeds All Fans TV, I think it is, the guy was absolutely raging. Because obviously in the first two minutes, they were 2-0 down. It was, it was, it was, we literally, we sucker punched them. They thought McTominay was going to sit deep and defend and immediately he pushed up and scored two outrageous goals. Well, this is the thing, like, whatever metaphor you want to use, if you get punched twice in the face, you don't go, I'll just stick my face in it again. No, you sit back, you try and do something else, but Leeds don't want to do that. They're just like, okay, I'll stick my face in front of it again. Yeah, the, they are the sort of indignant fighter they think they've got the steel chin and, and to be honest they have got the steel chin because they go and do it again and again and again yeah. every week they're the man that can't be knocked down but just because you can't be knocked down doesn't mean you can't lose the fight it's as simple yeah. as that it, it's not about but it is it is that it's that idea look they don't want to they're going for the knockout and they're not going to be knocked down but then they're just losing on points if we're going with the boxing analogy because that's what's happening they're taking every hit but not doing anything back and they, they fight they fight like Deontay Wilder. They're, they're yeah. looking for that one knockout blow. That's it. The, you know, the, the boxing ability is... You know. Well, the thing is, that's not a good analogy, actually, because Leeds do box well. Uh, well, do, do play football well. They just can't defend. That's their yeah. problem. Their defensive frailties are 
not something they seem to care about. That's the thing. It's not like the thing where you go, right, Harry Maguire's terrible at defending or Lindelof's terrible. We've got to try and protect him. They don't do that. They go, offense is the best form of defense. Off you go. And yeah, that will work against the likes of West Brom and Fulham and stuff like that. But it won't work against like Man United, Liverpool. You're going to get slapped. Yeah. And I think, that's, again, it's a thing that they're putting this, like, it's great to see, but they're putting the same amount of effort against, up against Fulham and West Brom, which are teams they should finish off, but they're going in with the same mentality and they're going to run themselves into the ground if they're not going to control their game because they are just going forwards, forwards, forwards. Whereas with Fulham, get a couple of goals, sit back, soak it up, and then play a different kind of game. But no, they just keep going forwards and then they get caught and Fulham start to pull it back and West Brom start to pull it back and then they find themselves in trouble again. Like, they need to learn to defend. Yeah, and there's always a chance. I mean, they, they sat Newcastle up 5-2, didn't they? But Yeah. Like we said, this Premier League's mental because Newcastle gets slapped 5-2 by Leeds and then they draw 0-0 with Liverpool. That doesn't make sense to me at all. And uh, they played so well against Liverpool as well. Yeah, like, exactly. And I loved them for it. Good old <laughs> Brucey, thank you very much, keeping the uh, title challenge alive. But again, the flip side of Leeds, as we've just spoken about, obviously they need to work on their defensive game. Their offensive game is quality. The way they absolutely battered, and this is the, the third Christmas crack, cracker in our uh, equation here, Leeds 5, West Brom nil, Which is mental because West Brom went to Liverpool and there's another game here, the fourth Christmas cracker, and they kind of were tying in together because West Brom featuring both of them. Liverpool won, West Brom won, is mental, absolutely mental, considering that the game before that, Liverpool had slapped Crystal Palace up 7-0. It wasn't even a contest. But then in hindsight, I started to look at the Liverpool result and I thought, do you know what? Liverpool scored every opportunity they had, every one. They took every chance. And obviously, statistically, on a game-to-game basis, you're not going to do that. No. It's not going to happen every game. And... They're just lacking that killer instinct at the moment, Liverpool. West Brom dug in. I think I saw people saying that Big Sam played 0-4-6, essentially. <laughs> and even when they were losing, continued to play super defensively. Yeah. But there's this thing about Big Sam, right? He does well against the big clubs. The longer the game went on with Liverpool and West Brom, I was like, West Brom are going to nick a point here. But I think, I think that is a point that you're saying. Like The fact that in the Crystal Palace game, Liverpool scored every chance they got and then they go to West Brom and they can't score that's what deflates Liverpool is the fact that they can't do it if Salah misses a couple he's annoyed if Firmino misses a couple he's annoyed Mane misses a couple he's annoyed and if you do that to Liverpool consistently you're just going to rattle them whereas you know at Palace every chance is a goal if you start taking those chances away it rattles Liverpool and they hate it I mean obviously a lot of Liverpool fans would say listen you're being unfair because we've got so many defensive injuries yes you do your defense is absolutely bare bone i can't think of a more compactly singularly focused injury set in the premier league in recent years the injuries are only happening to your defensive line bar diego diego Jota, which is also who yeah. is also injured I think the problem is is frustration in setting in with liverpool and the expectation that you will eventually score and maybe that they're losing that killer edge never say die attitude because towards the end of the game yesterday with Southampton I was like you're not going to score I know you're not going to score because you're all getting frustrated they don't have that innate belief anymore they feel entitled and when you do that you start to score less and conversely from that when United beat Villa 2-1 the other night 
and Eric Bailly, I don't know if you saw this, Eric Bailly made a 95th minute vital block to ensure that Villa did not score. Bailly dropped to his knees and screamed as the final whistle went and the entire United team came over and hugged him because they're starting to believe there is a chance they could win the Premier League this year because yeah. we are being consistent. And that's body language is vital in how to assess how a team is doing in football. And Liverpool's body language is negative, concerned, frustrated. Jurgen Klopp was absolutely rattled last yeah. night. He said this, uh, have you seen this quote? In the post-match interview, he said, Man United have had more, uh, double the amount of penalties I've had in five and a half years at Liverpool in the last two seasons. How is that possible? Let me tell you something, Liverpool fans. If Jurgen Klopp isn't concerned about United, why is he fucking talking about them? He is concerned. He's rattled. Yeah, he is. And I was, I was just going to bounce off your bio point of, like, obviously, you know, the front end of football is always celebrated. The goal scoring end is what we care about. But that has been such a focus this season. It's all been about goals. And the defending quality is starting to get ignored. And there has been tremendous saves left, right and centre. Tremendous goalkeeping performances. And we're starting to see more of that, of getting back on the line, of stopping, of being the last man and stopping the ball. Mm. Uh, oh, missing the game where it happened. But, you know, someone got back, cleared it off the line once, cleared it off the line a second time, put their body in the way, put your face in the way. And we're starting to get into that kind of football where we're realising every like we begin to realize every point matters whereas before it was like oh you can see the goal you just go up the other end and score one teams are now like look we can't do that week in week out but Leeds still seems to believe they can do that week in week out but other teams are beginning to go no we can't we have to stop everything this game goes to the 95th minute this game could change in the 93rd minute with a penalty being given away and that's the game done like the game is evolving and i think the teams are beginning to evolve with it as well 100% and and to circle back round and sort of finish up the point we were making about Leeds which is essentially that the reason why they smashed uh, West Brom 5-0 is not because West Brom were amazing against Liverpool it's because Liverpool were so poor and so inefficient in front of goal but they lack belief Liverpool mm. that's why they failed to beat West Brom and that's why they're failing to beat these other clubs that they should be beating but Leeds believe even when they shouldn't they believe they can win and that's why they will absolutely tear up the lower opposition in this yeah. Premier League because those teams will be downtrodden, will be lacking quality and they will be punished because they think they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Leeds. Leeds are like this, the middle of the pack. They really are the middle of the pack team in terms of quality and mentality. If I could equate them to a, a comic book character, they would have to be two-faced, right? One day they flick the coin, they beat West Brom 5-0. The next day they flick the coin, justice goes the wrong way, they lose 6-2 yeah. to Man United. Again, I mean, you've picked a villain there, and not to paint Leeds as a villain, but they are looking for you to make a mistake, and they pounce on it. Like, mm. you know, West Brom opening as they did with a 20-yard own goal. Leeds are going to go, cool, just run at them, run at them, run at them, and that's what they're going to do. They don't care how you're feeling in that moment. They're just going to crush you, and teams don't want to see that. They're like, how do we build from this mistake? You don't, because Leeds are right there on your front door, banging it down and knocking it down. That's true. And also, just a final compliment to Leeds, even though I've just cast them in a villainous light. <laughs> uh, what I will say about them is that the amount of goal-scoring talent in their offence is outrageous. The, the, I think, it, not, not, not enough people were talking about this, but obviously the own goal against West Brom was hilariously bad. That, that's not, nothing to do with Leeds. That's all to do yeah. with West Brom. But 
the fact that in both those games they had five individual goal scorers or four individual goal scorers and five individual is a testament to how much creative and attacking talent they have in their side. That's mental. I was like, oh, here's our brace showcase. Because I didn't watch the game. I watched it in a recap. I was like, oh, brace showcase. There's been five goals. Definitely a brace here. Not a brace in either game. Five individual contributors on each goal. Mental. Absolutely mental, that is. And fair play. If someone could take Bielsa's attacking talent and put it with Mourinho, my God, you would feel that team. You would fear that team. That team would kill teams. It wouldn't even be a contest. Speaking of villains, though, we shall segue to the villains and speak about Aston Villa, who are having a continued great season. We thought there might be a Christmas drop-off. We thought there might be some fatigue. No, they looked great. And I finally got to experience how good they look for 90 minutes when they played us the other night. And no disrespect to Aston Villa, we might have won... They played their part. They turned up, they were aggressive, they were attacking, they did not roll over, and they showed how good they could be on the break and in transition. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw against Arsenal, if Traore starts running against you, you just back out the way. Scary, Even man. Scary. Run you. And then you consider that's one side of the wing, and Grealish is all over the pitch. If he goes down another side of the wing, you're like, okay, he's going to whip that in, and that's another goal. Like, you just don't want to see that ball come whipping across your box. 100%. And we did. You know, we were comfortable. It was a very tense game. We managed to get ahead against Villa with a with a wonderful goal by Anthony Martial, who actually needed that goal desperately. But Jack Grealish is another level. And I regret United not trying to go for him last season. I know we thought last season, 75 million, that's too much. No, it's not. The man is now worth 100 million. And we were talking about it like he's going to drop off. This man is so consistent. Jack Grealish does it every week in the Premier League. He's so dangerous that I, I was like, we're fouling him all the time. And the reason we were fouling him so much is because we were bloody scared of him and how creative he is and how his, his dribbling ability on the ball is fantastic for someone who's not that quick. He invites a challenge because he knows that he's going to get past the man or he's going to get brought down. His yeah. Delivery is fantastic. He's so versatile. He can play on the left wing and he can play as Cam. We need to buy Jack Grealish. If, if it came down to this summer, they went, look, you can either have Jane Sancho or you can have Jack Grealish. I would take Jack Grealish. Proving it in the Premier League, highly underrated by a lot of people in Europe, would be a steal and fits United to a T. If Pogba goes, Jack Grealish is the man I want. Mm. But the heart that this Villa team have is phenomenal. When I saw on Boxing Day, and this is the game we're going to talk about. This was the real Christmas cracker from this day. Villa Palace, obviously Palace are the most inconsistent side I've ever seen in my entire life. Beat Sheffield United comfortably 2-0, lose 3-0 to Palace with 10 men. But Palace didn't have 10 men. Villa had 10 men, which is mental. Villa went 1-0 up. Tyrone Mings got sent off for like a... A bit of a soft second yellow, but he was being a little bit too aggressive. So I understand the referee went right. I've had enough of you, mate. You keep doing these shitty tactical fouls. You're going to get. You're going. You're, you're going. I understand that, but you thought right. Palace are going to get back into this. No, Villa went. We don't care that we have ten men. And not only they fought like Tyson Fury fought against Wilder when he got knocked down in the twelfth round of their first fight. He got knocked down. Everyone went right. Oh, it's over. Fury got up and everyone went right. Just survive Tyson. He went fuck that. I'm going to keep fighting him. That's what Villa were like. They were like, no, I don't care if we've got 10 men. Not only have we gone and scored another one, but we've scored two. And this, I'll tell you what, the third one, 
that Al Ghazi goal was outrageous. What a finish. But it's, it's that mentality that they are a team. They're like, okay, so we've lost a player, so that space is exposed. So we close down that space. We shut down how we're going to play. You force them out wide. You force them down centers. You force them into positions that you can cover. And mm. that's exactly what Villa did. They're like, game plan changes. And it changes on a fly. And they're able to adapt to that. And that is what makes a team. You go, oh, we've lost another one. Fine, we'll just sort it out. We'll deal with it. And I don't see that from many teams in the Premier League. It's an absolute talent to be able to switch around that quick. The thing I think is important, what you said there, is that they reek of a team, which yeah. a lot of teams don't in the Premier League, which I know sounds redundant and hardly, what the hell are you talking about? There's a team, there's sometimes you've got a team of individuals who don't help each other and don't gel. Yeah. Le- like Leicester in 2015, they were the perfect cohesion of a team. The chemistry was there. The reliability was there. The innate sense of, I know where every player is on the pitch was there. Villa have that. They back each other fully. The unit is so complete and completed by Traore and Grealish and El Ghazi and Tyrone Mings. And I tell you what, Arsenal are idiots for letting Emilio Martinez go. Idiots, because he is better than Bernard Leno, in my opinion. He is a quality goalkeeper. People won't admit this because people like to shit on United because, you know, hated, uh, adored, but never ignored. That's just the way we are. But yeah. if Martinez hadn't played, that would have been a different scoreline because at the end we were absolutely peppering Aston Villa's goal. He kept them in the game and fair play. The man is a quality goalkeeper and Arsenal let him go for 20 million. <laughs> it's insane. And it is, it is that fact, like, if Grealish went off, if Grealish was pulled off injured for a game, Villa would sort it out. They would know how to handle it. The same goes for Traore. If he disappears, they'll sort it out and they know how to blend as this team. Everyone knows their roles. Everyone will step up to the plate and it's about versatility and adaptability. And each player is, you know, I think someone said that the, Neil, Warmer, Neil Warnock, which is not, you know, not a prolific manager in football history, yeah. but a, a journeyman football manager, said that you have to die for the three points on the pitch. And Villa do that, even when they don't win. They give it their all. And nothing is better as a neutral to watch a team give it their all. I mean, Villa went to Stamford Bridge and drew 1-1. That's a great result. It was a great game as well. Like, it was entertaining as hell. I think Villa should have won at the end. You know, it was, it was tough. It was contested. Villa have so much self-belief. And as a neutral, as a neutral, Leeds and Villa are the prime uh, teams to watch in the Premier League. But what I will say, Dean Smith might not be, might not have the... Uh, South American law that Bielsa has but he is not getting the respect he deserves. Villa aren't a team of individuals like the accusations come at United for being that are carrying Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Villa are a well coached team who fought the drop last year barely beat it, bought incredibly well, have strengthened in every area they needed to and created an actual that can actually contend for things I wouldn't be surprised to see Villa get Europe I would not be, and I'm not talking Champions League, I'm talking about Europe, the Europa League, effectively. They're already sitting around the eighth, quite comfortably. They are consistent. They keep racking up these results. So why not? I, I don't see why. Especially when Chelsea can't beat a team in the top eight. That's mental. And finally, listeners, to our final Christmas cracker, we will speak about Chelsea and Arsenal, which... On the previous podcast, we would have said very different things about. Now, however, we've the, the script has been completely flipped. 
You know, we were laughing. Chelsea fans were laughing at Arsenal going, ha, ha, relegation battle. Blah, 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 blah. How is it possible that Arsenal were doing so poorly and now Chelsea are three points ahead of Arsenal? That is mental. That's how crazy this season is. Yeah, like, I don't know what it was in Arsenal camp, but they were clearly Game of Thrones fans just waiting for winter. But, like, winter's coming on that and we're going to switch on. And you're just like, how? Like, Listen, you see, it? as we... That was their red wedding, yeah, unboxing. Yeah, day. that was like, it. You are dead. All of you are getting absolutely slaughtered here. And they're just continuing with it. They're like, ah, we'll take the next one. And we'll take the next one. I mean, it pains me to say this about Arsenal, but they look back on form. They look good. They look creative. And they're switching it up. Like, you know, Lacazette comes on for 21 seconds and instantly scores. Like, they're starting to do what they should have done at the beginning of the season or should have continued from the beginning of the season. Look, I know we all laughed and joked about them potentially getting relegated. Obviously, it was never going to happen no. because the quality of players they've got should never be in a relegation battle war near it. However, I think Arteta was being loyal to a lot of players that weren't performing for too long. And yeah. as soon as he released the kids, everyone was saying, release the kids, release the kids, which is a bit of a dodgy saying to be flying around. But they did it anyway. They did release the kids. Uh, Bakre Sanya, uh, Saka, oh my God, he's been unbelievable in the last couple of games. Is that Rose Smith? He was awesome the other night. Yeah. Kieran Tierney's doing absolute bits. Obviously, I know Tierney was playing anyway. But Lacazette's finally stepped up. He's not. He's not young. He's uh, no, but it's but, but it's the fact that the youth has re-energized and the youth has made players fear their position. The fact that Lacazette's on the bench. The fact that Aubameyang could easily be benched as well at this point. How's he is, not been? Exactly. That's I have to ask. But it's scaring him because Aubameyang decided to turn up as well. He's like, oh, I should probably score some goals. I shouldn't be complacent in my place in this team because there are, as you've said, the kids are waiting to come up and take over. And look, Arteta won an FA Cup and a Community Shield. So I'm not going to be overly critical of him. You know, if he'd been sacked and people would have said, well, how is Oli still in a job? Because he's never won anything. Arteta's won something. Lampard's never won anything. He's still in the job. This game just, I had a feeling that Arsenal were going to catch a break. That was the thing. I, I, I even said to my mum on Boxing Day, I said, I think Chelsea are going to lose. I don't know why. Because one, statistically, it, you, you can look at the information. Chelsea have been poor against yeah. serious competition. Low-hanging fruit, they've been absolutely obliterating. And rightfully so with the talented squad that they have. But their team morale isn't great. They had a couple of bad results. And they thought this was going to be their palate cleanser. Well, surprise, surprise, Arsenal were like, it's ours. All of Arsenal's goals, bar the dodgy penalty, were good. Yeah. Planet Xhaka's free kick, a free kick was incredible. And I don't rate him, and I think he's crap. And I still think he's crap, but it was a good free kick. Saka's goal was a joke. You know on FIFA, when you score a goal, and you shoot, and the keeper doesn't even move? That's what it was. Mendy was like, that is way too audacious. There's no way that's going in. Bang, top corner chip. What? Insane. And I tell you what, that he looks young. I know, yeah. I know there are some youngsters that play football, but Sucker, Sucker looks young. He looks like he's fresh from the womb. That's what he looks like. And I was like, this man's techers is unreal. Yeah. And it frustrates me because I don't like Arsenal, but I don't like Chelsea either. So it was a win-win for me. I was like, well, if one of you's got to lose, so be it. Yeah. For me, it's just the fact that as Spurs slip, Arsenal turn it on and it's like... Right here we go. Here we go. That's the old days. I still think you're six points ahead of them, though, right? Are you six points ahead of them? I think you know seven points. Seven, I think. But that's but that's the difference between tenth place and first place. It's not. It's not. I know it's so tight. It's, yeah. It is so tight. But the thing is, Arsenal will dip in form again. 
a lot. Of, the thing is, Arsenal fans just get so carried away. They're like, "Oh, we're getting top four. It's like, well, hang, hang on. I, I don't think so. <laughs> let's see. Let's see how it goes. Because yeah. you've had spells where you've played great attacking football last season, and then you've had games where it's like, how did you even lose? That will come for every team. I'm not naive. Man United will not win every game until the end of the season. It's physically not possible. But it's about finding consistency. And at the moment, Arsenal are finding that. I think they're on the back of three wins now in a row. And we yeah. won 11 games where they hadn't had a single win in the Premier League. And they're still 11th. How? That's how poor the quality has been in terms of consistency this season across the entire yeah. league. Less, I mean, look, Leicester had a couple of bad results. They're still in the conversation. Spurs are still in the conversation. No one's talking about Man City. Man City are definitely in the conversation to win the Premier League. They got two games in hand. They absolutely slapped Chelsea up with... And we'll come back to the extenuating circumstances City had and why it's so impressive that they did slap Chelsea up the way they did. They embarrassed Chelsea. Lampard is massively under fire. And a couple of weeks ago, it was Arteta under fire. And at the start of the season, everyone was saying, who will go first? Will it be Arteta? Will it be Lampard? Will it be Oli? It ain't going to fucking be Oli. Oli is joint top of the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's pure madness. And, you know, we've missed off the silent killer of Southampton. They're just fleeting in and out of the top five. Just like, oh, we're, we're calm up here. You guys might be some of the biggest teams in the league, but we're fine. We'll take you down. Their manager we'll yesterday literally dropped to his knees and started crying when they beat Liverpool. And I, I was there for it. I was like, he's a Man United fan. He's a Man United fan. I believe it. He wants the job. Well, he's not having it because Ollie's too good, but we appreciate you anyway. That free kick was just a work of art. That's, Liverpool that's got absolutely embarrassed by that set piece. It wasn't even, it was hilarious. And it had to be Danny Ings. It had to be. That's the poetry of football. That's the karmic justice of football. They said, Danny Ings, you're not good enough. Go to Southampton, you're trash. He, he did bits last season, scored 20 goals, and he was the player that scored the least amount of penalties and scored the most penalties in the Premier League. And then he goes and scores that against them. Yeah. He goes, fuck you. And you could see, I, I was watching him in the post-match, and I tell you what, I know how smug he was because I didn't have the sound on. It was muted, but I could see it. I was like, he's well smug. Yeah. And he has every right to be. Indeed, I don't think the fact of how rattled they got Liverpool, Allison charging out of his box in the final minutes, it's like... And they nearly conceded. Like, yeah. It's just like, Liverpool, you shouldn't be at this level. This is not do or die, but that's how much Southampton rattled them. It was like a cup tie for them. It was like, look, we'll do it. We'll look, do they, it. Are, they are bare bones, Ian. They had to start yeah. Jordan Henderson at the back. That's how bare bones they are, defensively. True. yeah. You know, and I, I was going to tweet this out, and I might still tweet out, but I don't, like I said, I don't want to get too carried away about United because if I do, it will come back to haunt me. But oh. I was going to do a tweet, effectively, where it was like Alison in bed. It's like dre dreaming. And then it was Bruno Fernandes tipping the hat. Have you seen the tipping the hat thing? And I was saying, January 17th, uh, living in your head rent-free. He will be. Bruno is scaring yeah. teams at the moment. Not because of... He's scoring loads of outrageous goals, but he is a catalyst for change at United. His passion, I don't know if you've seen the clip, when we beat Wolves 1-0, mm. and I screamed. When that goal went in, I was like Eric Bain at the end of Villa. I was like on the floor like, yes! Because those are games where United would usually have drawn and dropped points. But yeah. 
the belief is there. It took a 93rd minute deflection, but we still got the three points. And that's the sort of shit that Liverpool were doing last season. And that's why they won the title so comfortably. Yeah. Champions mentality. And as I've called it before, champions luck and the rub of the green. United have a little bit of it at the moment and they have to grab onto it and say that's our luck this season because people are still saying we have no chance. Even though we're joint top of the Premier League, people are saying no way, United are going to bottle it. If we go to Anfield and beat Liverpool, it is on. You better believe. I'm hype. You can hear how hype I am. I'm so happy because we're playing so well. This is the thing, like the beginning of the uh, podcasting up until now. We're, I know. We're, we're at Ollie out, you know, transfer. I'm not Ollie out. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Ollie in. Ollie in. We're bloody joint top. If we beat Burnley, we're fucking first. As we say, that's the fickle nature of football. One week is great. Next week, you're down. I've always down. said that I want I wanted Ollie to succeed. That's the important thing. I've yeah. always said I wanted him to succeed. And if he proved me wrong, he did. But because we crashed out of the Champions League, because we'd had a horrific start to the Premier League season, and also because of the stature of the club we are, people were really gunning for us. But no one was speaking about City's really poor start to the season either. United are a beacon for criticism, banter and whatever because of the stature of the club that we are. But it, I think combined with being in lockdown and the mental state of most people in the UK, a lot of people are like, I just want my team to win. And now that they're winning, I'm like positive, I'm like humming a yeah. tune, going out and making some toast, loving life. Like, yeah, Ollie's at the wheel. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> yeah, but in three weeks' time, we probably lose to Burnley, lose to Liverpool, be wow. out of the title race. Yeah, that, that's, and if that happens, I'll be screaming Ollie out again because I want to win. Unfortunately, as football fans, you want to win. I want Ollie to do well, but I can't take any more banter. I need a trophy, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, please. And I want it. I want to you see you. I you want to see you holding it above all those players and going, "I'm the man." Everyone said I was a PE teacher. Well, here it is, bitch. Yeah, here, here's my PA, uh, PE teacher of the year award. <laughs> and it's the Premier League title. I'm here for that. Inject that directly into my veins. That's amazing stuff. That's what you want to see. Yes, obviously Spurs need a, a, a trophy and you're very much in the equation to potentially win one. However, Ian, did you know that the Carabao Cup final has been moved? It's not being played at the end of January. We're going to play the semi-finals tonight. It's being played in April. Talk okay. about completely obliterating any momentum you have in a tournament. Yeah, that's absolutely bizarre. Yeah, you could go and absolutely hammer Brentford like 7-0 tonight. He'd be like, yeah, we're ready for the final. And then you could go and have a horrendous Premier League season, absolutely bottle it, and then go into that final and get slapped up. Yeah, it's, it's madness. I don't understand the scheduling at all this year. I, I think, look, if you've played most of the competition by the end of January, just play the final. Right. What does it matter? Yeah, it's two teams. I, I mean, it's, not, it's no longer two legs, right? So for this season only, yeah. it's, a, it's a one-legged tournament, a uh, one-legged semi-final. So, you know, all you've got to do is beat Brentford tonight and you're in the final. Then it's either I win or you win, Ian. So 2021 is good for either of us, right? You win or you win. Listen, if, if, if some deity came down to me and said, look, Harley, Ian can win the Carabao Cup, but you can win the Premier League, I'm for it. I'll have the Premier League. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Here, 21 <laughs> is downloading. The hype is real. The hype is real. I, I watched so many uh, Man United fan cam things last night. Everyone going like, boom! You're not going to win the trophy. 
listen, we're, look, it is what it is. It's infectious though, right? It is infectious. Yeah, for sure. Loving life. Right, okay. So those were our Christmas crackers, guys. The festive period offered tremendous games as a neutral. Some incredible football was played. Loads of goals. I, I, actually, I'll tell you what I should have done. I should have gone away and counted how many goals were scored because I oh, bet it was loads. Insane. Some board draws, some exciting draws, some absolute slaughter fest. It was incredible. And some quality goals have been scored in that time as well. And I'm so glad with this national lockdown that football can stay. That was my real concern yesterday. Yeah. I was like, please, let elite sport play. And he said it. And I was like, yes, because I need it. I need the release. Yeah. Now, Christmas is done. We've all filled our bellies with the, the hearty goals and assists that have been provided by all of our clubs. And now we have to look forward and think, right, this is the perfect time for us, Ian, to have a recalibration. I'm just going to ask you simply, in your opinion, right now, on what you know, who is going to win the Premier League? Jesus Christ, who's going to win the mate? We've just been discussing for the past hour of how tight and close this is. I know, but we've been so wrong, let's be real, with our initial predictions, yeah. we need to refresh it. Ignore that crap. <laughs> you put Chelsea at the top or was it Arsenal? Chelsea right? second, Liverpool first. Right, okay. See, I personally think Liverpool are going to just be a pain and just hang on to that like one point difference and Don't finish say that. the league. Don't say that. Come on. Like, you know, this is what they've do, been doing. The Don't whole say I know what you're saying, because I'm not going. If I back Man United, it's over. So you don't want. Yeah, me yeah to don't don't back them. Don't back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See the kind of curse I bring to teams. This is why I don't watch my team play. I should just leave them be. Yeah, you can keep that back in. Put that put that back. Yeah. Found it. <laughs> no, I yeah, I think look, Liverpool have been at the top since day dot. Yes, Spurs went up above them, but they were there joint on points. They're top again. You're joint on points. Just Liverpool are just going to keep chipping away, and they're probably going to hang in. You know, they'll be hanging by their nails, but they'll hang in. So I'm going to stay with Liverpool at the top. Okay. For me, there's two answers to this, and it comes down simply to this. Whoever wins at Anfield wins the Premier League, in my opinion. So if it's United that win, I think that we will win the league mm -hmm. because the belief will carry tenfold. And also, Ian, we spoke earlier in the podcast history, in the annals of the podcast history, that... Everyone talks about who's top at Christmas always wins the Premier League, apart from Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool are the only team to be leading at Christmas and not win the league. Yeah. However, in a traditional season, Christmas isn't Christmas. I know that sounds completely stupid and paradoxical and redundant, but the new Christmas will be the end of January. So I believe whoever's leading at the end of January will win the Premier League. So if United get to the end of January and we're still first, I'm here for it. I will genuinely, I'm getting hyped and gassed and whatever you want to say. I will believe, start to fully believe that United are at least in a proper title race. Yeah. However, I think Man City will win the league. That's my opinion. I don't think Liverpool will win. I think, unfortunately, it's not due to lack of quality. It's, it's purely down to defensive issues. Because their defence is so obliterated by injuries, I just can't see them consistently doing it. And their away form, let's be completely honest, Liverpool's away form is shambolic this season. Dropping points to Fulham, Brighton, West Brom, that's not acceptable for the, the champions. And people say, historically, that it's harder to retain the Premier League than it is to win the Premier League. And they're showing that. 
Last year, they were flying. No one could catch them. Liverpool fans can be banned the last season going, we've got double your points in the Premier League. <laughs> well, not now, bitch. That's all I yeah, say. No, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be a pretty season either way. Let's just say that. Like, and there could be a dark horse. Leicester, Leicester are very much in the equation. We don't know. This sort of... cauldron of fuckery is just hard to call because it feels like the Leicester season where everyone went, Leicester aren't going to win the league. Even Gary Lineker, the most staunch Leicester City fan in the world, went, yeah. Leicester aren't going to win the league. I'll do match today in my boxes if Leicester win the Premier League. And what happened? They bloody won it. So, I mean, never speaking, say never. Speaking of dark horse, Aston Villa have two games in hand are sitting on 29 points. Exactly. So they're, they're of a level of Man City because Man City have two games in hand as well. That's the thing. And the problem is City don't have it. it it's like um, polarising opposites for City, right? Or yeah. polar opposites for, for City and Liverpool. Uh, City struggle in attack, not against Chelsea, but historically so far this league because they don't have an out-and-out replacement for Aguero, whereas Liverpool are struggling defensively. So it's whoever can fill in the gap between the both and find the happy medium probably is going to have the most success. And Villa have no problem defending and no problem scoring goals. So People shouldn't be writing Aston Villa off. There's a long way to go, and if people's form dips, they can capitalise. And it is about capitalising. And United have been capitalising. They've been winning the games they need to. Bar Leicester, which was a bit of a wobble, but then we got back to it. Whereas Liverpool have been dropping so many points. I think they've had two in the last nine. That's terrible. That's really bad, considering they, that what they won with 98 points last year. Come on. It's insane. That's the difference. Yeah. But like like we've seen so far, Liverpool will win the games that they need to. They go win and beat Spurs. You turn yeah. up. So they'll, they'll probably beat us at Anfield and then you know but yeah. we could be three points ahead of them by the time we get there and then it makes no difference. So we'll see. But listen, never forget I said this. Clip this up, sound bite it up, whatever you want. If one man was gonna win us a Premier League title, it is the man that's currently sits on my chest. And not in a sexual capacity. In a loving, in case... Even though you would like that. Oh, I would like it. I want to get a... You know those display things? I want to get a display of Bruno Fernandes up there <laughs> at the back. I love the man. Yeah. I inject him directly into my veins. He is my Portuguese Magnifico. And I, I, I am here until the end of time for him. If one man could do it, there is something about Bruno Fernandes. And I think people are starting to realise it. His passion, when we scored against Wolves, when Marcus Rashford scored, I don't know if you've seen this clip, there's like an off the, off the ball, a camera that's focusing on the rest of the team. Bruno Fernandes goes absolutely mental when the goal goes in. All the other players are going like, he's screaming and shouting because he wants to win. He is the catalyst. He is, people equate him to Cantona, which is absurd because Cantona was so prolific for United. Mm. And every year he could play the full season. We won the league with Cantona. Bruno has that dynamic quality that just, He's a natural leader on the pitch and his passion is carrying the team. He's out there commanding players going, um, yeah. play the ball here, do this, do this, go this way, pressure man, pressure man. He is the captain. I don't care if Harry Maguire wears the armband. Bruno is the captain. And I've seen loads of people, Photoshop's incredible nowadays, right? The people just Photoshop with Bruno Fernandes holding the Premier League and stuff. It's early doors, but it's all great banter. For sure. But listen, it's a wild ride and I literally cannot wait for every step of it. But if we lose to Liverpool, yeah, this podcast will go for sour very quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm going to say about that. I'll come in and go, I'm not doing it, Ian. Oh, no. I'm not doing it today. I'm not doing the fucking podcast. 
Let's come on, just just win for that reason. That's all we oh. need. Man United win for that Inject reason. Inject a ninety-fifth minute Bruno Fernandez penalty that has to be retaken into my veins to beat the Scousers. You know what it'll be? It'll be I Alison. will go mental. Yeah. It'll be fingertips from Allison and still put it in, just like yes. you did. Knocks it onto the bar, but it bounces <laughs> in. Yes. It's like you thought you can get it, you can't get it. Oh my god! I think I think there'd be a fight on the pitch. I genuinely oh, think I... there would be a fight on the pitch because I think. Unfortunately, we have to be realistic. Liverpool have not lost to Anfield in three years. No. In the Premier League. No. It's going to be a tough ask. And I don't want to see United go there and be like, we're going to sit back, we're going to relax. Yeah. You have to go toe-to-toe with them because that's the way to beat them with their defensive woes at the moment. Yeah. This, yes. is, this, is, this is where you take the Leeds system and you got a broken knee, you got a broken arm, you keep going for it. you got to go for it. you got to go for it. Unless it gets embarrassing, then you stop and just say <laughs> that, that. Those are your two options. Yeah, like Chelsea exactly. did. Chelsea went, really went for it against City, and then we're getting slapped up and went, right, that's it. For sure. you got, you got to take, yeah, it's the gamble. It's the 50-50 gamble, and you got to go for it against a team like Liverpool. Right. Ian, mm. I think maybe we should leave the talking about other things for another podcast, because we've spoken about yeah. football for quite a while. Um, all, all we will say is that the transfer window is now open. We'll start to cover that properly in the coming weeks. We're not going to cover it now. It's early doors uh, and people are still... Things happen very quickly in the January transfer window. So, yeah, one week I might be like, no one's buying anyone and then all of a sudden everyone's bought everyone. Lampard is massively under fire. We briefly just said we would touch on that. He spent £220 million. Chelsea are really struggling. Let me just ask you this simply rather than go into this whole Chelsea-Lampard thing because we'll talk about it in the coming weeks with the results they get. How many games do you think he's got with bad as results? We, yeah, as we always say, obviously as a legend, he's getting a bit of a leeway. But I think he's only got three or four. If if gets three bad results, they're going to start looking. Like that has to be the reality of it. I have heard rumours that they've already been tapping up Thomas Tuchel and uh, Max Allegri as potential replacements if it doesn't work out. I, th- I think the most damning thing for Lampard and Chelsea fans, the most staunch Chelsea fans and, and uh, Frankites or whatever, or Frankians, whatever you would call them, all often say, well, yes, Hazard, we had a transfer ban, so that money is actually you know two, two years worth of transfer budget spent in one window. That's why it looks more damning. People don't care about that. You spent 220 million in the transfer window, even with extenuating circumstances, you cannot not get top four. It's as simple as that. And it's hilarious that the defence is, oh, yeah, we did something wrong and we're paying for it, but it doesn't count because it's different. No, you did something wrong. You're a team. As we keep saying in this podcast, you're a team. It affects everyone. You made those decisions as a club. I think the egregious misspending with Havertz and Werner, which have both flopped. I put a tweet out the other day, which was essentially like, uh, Timo Werner uh, has an easy goal-scoring opportunity. And then I put what he was thinking, and it was shot Pikachu face. Do you know what I mean? That's just... He can't. They're, they're, it's not due to lack of ability. It's due to lack of form and lack of mentality. Their body language is terrible. Uh, their attitude is terrible. I think Lampard could have lost the dressing room or might be close to losing the dressing room. His team selection is odd at times. And I will, the only final thing I will say about this is I told y'all, I told y'all, Thiago Silva was not good enough to come to the Premier League. And he's not. He can do it against the Sheffield Uniteds and the Fulhams and the West Brom. Competitively, against the top six, he can't do shit. He's past it. He is past it. Um, and then briefly, and I guess we should just speak about postponed games, uh, but just saying that 
Yeah. Lots of games are being postponed, but the Premier League has effectively decided that, in the words of Queen, the show must go on. And I agree with that, to be honest, because it's not fair to teams who are finding good form. Obviously, look, there's an issue to speak about here in terms of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was asked, do you want the Premier League to stop because of COVID? And obviously his answer is no, because we're on really good form. But Sam Allardyce, who's had a terrible start at West Brom, bar the Liverpool performance, was saying, I'm 66, I'm at risk of COVID. Because he wants to stop because they're getting absolutely battered and he wants to reassess and you know try and galvanise the team. But in reality, Big Sam, you didn't have a job three weeks ago. You knew COVID was a factor and you took the job. So shut up! And I think it's, football should be looking at their sort of enterprise as a bubble. Everyone who's playing in the Premier League or playing in any kind of league should be bubbling themselves. There shouldn't be any outside involvement, and we've seen plenty of outside involvement. If you're going to take your job seriously and you have to be there, take it fucking seriously and stay at home. Do what you got to do and then turn up when you got to train. And that way, we're not going to have these issues of postponement. You're not going to have worries Is everyone's in this contained bubble. I know it's difficult to do, but if you want to entertain the masses and you want to earn your paychecks and you want to get your sponsor deals, play by the rules. That's what we're all having to do and we're, and we're suffering. And if you can give us some entertainment, please do it. But play by the rules. Agreed. And there's not enough policing within clubs about what their players are doing outside of footballing hours and their tra- training regimes. Look at Manchester City, right? Manchester City had a game postponed and Everton were right to complain about the fact that the fixture had been postponed because they said not only are City not man-managing their players correctly, which is right and true and honest, the reality is City have more than enough squad depth to field a team anyway. So what's your excuse for not playing? And it has to be, and it's also that policing has to be in uh, enacted by the team because Grealish was picked up recently for being outside again yeah. <laughs> again Jack <laughs> and nothing happens within the league yeah he's one of your top players but you've got to set an example you've got to start saying you're not playing by the rules I think they should be match banning players who who are bre- breaching COVID rules I, I completely agree with that Benjamin Mendy who plays for Man City even though games have been postponed went out for a New Year's party you're not allowed to do it especially if you're going to keep this source of entertainment open, they need to lead by example. We need to know why you've allowed it to stay open because they're going to be representative to the masses of how you deal with this pandemic. You do your job, you stay at home, you save lives. That's all we need to do. Exactly. And there's also a divide between working class footballers that are paid horrendous amounts of money and the working class anyway, because often I hear an opinion which is, oh, overpriced footballers, yada, yada, yada. But in reality, one, you wouldn't say no to that money if it was offered to you. And two, they were all working class lads that have worked their way into a terrific position. So I'm not going to criticise them for being paid X, Y, and Z, whatever it may be. However, footballers don't help bridge the gap between public opinion on them and the disenfranchised, impoverished masses by being dickheads in the press, which effectively is what they're doing. To, to counter it, the standout is your man Rashford. He did one thing in 2020, he's gone, you know what guys, I'm gonna do more in 2021. Mm. I'm gonna sort this problem out. That's what they need to be doing. This is the time that we need him to do it. I'm not, like he's an Englishman, so he's gonna do it for England. I'm not asking every player to do it for England, but they should be doing it for Spain, they should be doing it for Portugal, for anyone who's watching this football. Everyone should be leading by example, no matter what league you're in. I'm not asking every footballer to be a paragon for virtue or whatever, you know, at the end of the day, they are work, they work nine to five, what, like us effectively. However, when you're in the public eye, you have a responsibility to follow the rules, which 
are given to you in an incredibly privileged position. Let's not forget, there's lots of people in the world right now that can't afford to go abroad, cannot go abroad abroad because of restrictions, can't live their lives in normal fashion. These Premier League footballers are not only allowed to play Premier League games, continue to do what they do every single week, uh, be adored by the masters and paid well for it. They get to go abroad for international friendlies. They get to have some semblance of what normality used to be. And instead of going, well, I'm incredibly grateful that my life is relatively unaffected by COVID, they go, I'm going to be a dickhead and recklessly flaunt the rules which have been put in front of me. Man City have got a real problem with it. And the fact that uh, Guardiola's mother had uh, complications around COVID as well is incredibly disrespectful from his own players. Respect people. At the end of the day, we all understand that you're human and you're going to make mistakes. But Jack Grealish has broken uh, COVID four times. Four! And I rate the guy. He's an incredible footballer, but you can't. Come on. There has to be some consequence for it. Carl Walker had a huge Christmas Eve party, apparently. I don't know how much truth there is in that. If that's true, Kyle, you're going to have to have a match ban because you've got to learn you're not the exception. Money doesn't make you an exception. Being a footballer is a to be honest, it's a luxury. You have, uh, which you've, you've worked hard for, but that doesn't mean you get to go drop the middle finger, the, the double middle finger to the rest of the UK because it just pisses people off. And I think that if you can't fill the team because there is proof that your team has breached COVID protocols and, and, and caused that scenario, I think you should lose the match. Simple as, yeah. I think City should, should, should have had to concede three points to Everton. That's what I think should have happened. Because since then, proof has come out that multiple players have reached uh, COVID protocols. So. Exactly. And it doesn't need to be decided on the day that you lose the points because we can retroactively decide these things now. Like, it can be that. Like, we've done the research and X amount broke the rules and that's why you didn't play. Fine, you've lost your points. You don't get the game that we've rescheduled. It's gone. Yeah. I don't care about the sponsorships. I don't care about the TV airtime that they're probably trying to save and all that economy shit. I don't care. Play by the rules, please. Agreed. 100% agreed. And I think that if a club can be docked points for financial indiscrepancies or uh, deficiencies uh, retroactively, then that is more than acceptable. The broadcasters need to get their nose out of the equation effectively in, in this scenario because COVID is a unique beast and we have to uniquely view how clubs act within it. That, that would be my final sort of say on it. Right, okay, Ian. Head-to-head results. It is time. Oh, my favourite part of the show. Just, this is where you bend me over and shoot me. This is awful. Okay, viewers, so we won't go through all the results, but basically we've both had pretty horrendous uh, two weeks, but uh, I won both in sh- absolute shocking scenes. So it's 13-3 uh, to me in terms of the overall score. It's getting a bit uh, it's getting a bit abusive now, Ian. I won't lie to you. Yeah, I think I need like to play a double card week or something, double point week. <laughs> <laughs> Next two weeks, we've got uh, Carabao Cup games and the start of the FA Cup. Uh, United have got Watford on Saturday and obviously there's the Manchester Derby and the Carabao Cup semi-final tomorrow night. So we probably will do two weeks worth of head-to-head results now because we probably won't do an episode next week and we'll be back for the Premier League fixtures after that. Uh, so, Ian, let's start off. I am going to start because I feel a little bit fruity. So the first game of the next game week is Sheffield United versus Newcastle United. I'm going to 3-1 Newcastle. Simple as that. Ooh, uh, I'm going to go 2-0. Newcastle. 
Yeah, no one, no one believes in Sheffield United right I feel now. bad. I feel bad. Oh, Sheffield. Newcastle's not the team. Now, the next game is finally United get to play their game in hand. It's Burnley versus Manchester United. I'm not going to say this is a given. I always back United, but I'm worried about this game because it could be a draw. It could be a loss. Burnley are the kings of the shithouse 1-0 victory and United need to win. So now the onus really is on us and it's how we deal with that responsibility of going, listen, if we win today, we could be three points up. So I hope to see the fire in the belly, the hunger and the yeah. drive. So I'm going to go 3-1 United, of course. I'm going to go 2-1 United. You I bastard, we're losing. <laughs> Wolves Everton. Um, Tough game. Wolves aren't on particularly great form. Well, they're always fight for a point. They drew with 3-3, with, uh, which was could have potentially been the seventh Christmas cracker because the game was really good. But 3-3 with Wolves-Brighton was just a mental game. They're really missing Raul Jimenez. That would be my opinion on yeah, it. I think, I think that game gave me my favourite highlight of the, the Christmas period, which was, you know, um, commentators scream a name. Like when a player scores, they get a great scream out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've it got, had you've got to have a screamable name, haven't you? Exactly. Like, you, know, you know when like Alan Smith used to play for Leeds or Manchester United, he'd be like, Alan Smith! And he'd be like, ugh. And then yeah. he'd be like, Didier Drogba! And obviously, Dunk goes off and gets the equaliser with his header. And it was literally like the commentator was making an onomatopoeia. He was like, Dunk! And that was it. As he put it in, I was like, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, good old Brighton. I do like that. Uh, but... Lewis John. Go on. Indeed. I'm going to go to all. Too old. I think people are sleeping on Everton. I think Everton have had their blip and they're now starting to find, find form. And we were very disrespectful to them because effectively they are still in the title race as well. And maybe they've shown us certain mental weaknesses that we think won't ever let them win the Premier League. However, I'm going to go 2-1 uh, Everton. Ooh. Man City Brighton. This will be the test for uh, Man City. I know that Brighton are... Very unlucky and always seem to concede. But I could see this game being a draw. Okay, what, what numbers are you put into that draw? Uh, I'm going to put 2-2. Uh, two, two. I'm going to go 2-1 Man City. I wouldn't be surprised, but just think, Brighton always turn up against the big clubs. Or even if they lose, they always turn up, if you know what I mean. Now, here you go, Ian. This is a tough game. This, this will be the real test on whether Mourinho has turned a corner, if Spurs have turned a corner mentally, and if they can really go forward and mount a title challenge, because Villa are not an easy team to beat. No, this, this is the one. Oh, I'm going to have to. But we beat them. See, I think we're going to replicate it with a 2-1. I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. Okay. Uh, I think you're going to lose. Thank you very much. Sorry, I just do. I think it's going to be 3 1 Villa. Ooh. Jackie Grealish masterclass. Yeah. Here we go. Look, pa Palace turn a corner, finally get a, a win. And now they're going to get absolutely slapped up by Arsenal. I'm going for, uh, 4 1 Arsenal. Ooh, I'm going to go 3 0 Arsenal. Special shout out, Arsenal fans, if you've made it this far, by the way. Kieran Tierney's, I don't know if you've seen it, Ian. Kieran Tierney's goal against West Brom was one of the most outrageous goals I've ever seen from a defender. It is pure class. I think I missed it. I'm going to have to give up. Check it, honestly, check it out. It will shake you to your core. 
game week 19 because that was like a half game week that's why we're going to do two this week because yeah so fulham chelsea chelsea what are you saying in two nil fulham oh that would be incredibly bad news (laughs) for frank i'm going three one chelsea this is the sort of team that they slap up that's that's their criticism as much as it is a compliment but I just wonder if they're just going to stumble this time. That's all I'm thinking. Is this the one they stumble against? Could be a draw. I could see that. Yeah. Wolves West Brom. Ah, oh, this is. Uh... I'm going to go two two. Okay, I'm going to go two one Wolves. Two one Wolves. I could see that definitely. Okay, Leeds Brighton. Three. I really don't want to say Brighton are going to lose, but I think they are. I know. I, I'm. I'm going 3-2 to uh, Leeds. 3-2 Leeds. I'm going 1-0 Brighton. Go on, Brighton. Let them have it. I'd love it. Bright- the thing is, we've, we've been very complimentary about Brighton. and I've had a Brighton fan of mine, a friend of mine, that's very concerned about them. And I was like, no, no, you play too good football to go down. I am starting to get concerned about them because they can't get results. It's just not happening for them. I don't know what it is. Like like we say, they play great football, they look good, but it's just not happening for them. But if they go down, yeah, they've got some quality players, which I'd love to pinch, like Basuma and uh, Tarek Lamptey. So it is what it is. <laughs> West Ham, Burnley, what are you saying, Ian? Uh, 1-0 West Ham. 1-0 West Ham. Yeah, West Ham are having a pretty good season. They beat, I can't believe they beat Everton. That was absolutely shocking to me. Uh-huh. But that, Still- again, is a testament to why I think Everton probably won't win the league. Yeah. 1-1 one, one for me. Uh, then we've got Aston Villa, Everton. Um, tough game. Villa got some tough games coming up, you know. Yeah, let's go 3-2 Villa. 3-2 Villa. I'm going to go 2-2. Uh, two, two. Leicester, Southampton. Again, that's a really hard game to call. And we, I know we say that all the time. Oh, there's so many hard games. It is. They're both on really good form. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I'm going to go 1-0. Okay. I'm going to go 2-1 Southampton. It's got the belief. We've got Sheffield United Spurs. Easy, easy. What, what, what teams have got to remember is one team is going to lose to Sheffield United. One team yeah. is going to eventually lose. <laughs> Will it be Spurs? No, I'm going to go 3-0 Spurs. 3-0 Spurs. I, that would be a fair assessment in my opinion. I'm going to go 3-1 Spurs. I'm going to price this right you. Then, here we go. I'm nervous, but I'm also confident, which is an unfamiliar feeling to me. Nervous excitement. Liverpool versus Manchester United. Look, realistically, Liverpool, I think, probably will win this game, but I'm going to back United to win 2-1. Uh, I think Bruno Fernandes is going to be vital in this game. I would say yeah. that United's away form is the best in the Premier League for a reason. Uh, we're fearless when we go elsewhere. Statistically, we have lots of things in our corner, but that doesn't mean anything. On the day, the champion's mentality, whoever it will be, will shine through. But for I'm sure. going to United. I'm going to go one all. That would be a really good result as well, to be honest. Anything other than a loss from Anfield is a good result for us, as long as City don't. Yeah. But City have got very kind fixtures, as you'll see, because Man City are playing Crystal Palace. Who are you going for, Ian? 
I'm going to go 3-1 City. 3-1 City? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I'm, I'm not even going to go 5 nil City. I think Palace are going to get absolutely slapped by them. I think, yeah, P- Palace needs to be careful with the transfer window opening up because they've got good players and they're not performing. Like, Eze could easily disappear from their team. Yeah, and also I think Zaha is desperate yeah. to get out of Palace, isn't he? So... Arsenal-Newcastle, we've got a bit of a double game week, so we're going to have to do it. Arsenal-Newcastle, who, who... Oh, it's me first. Yeah. I think Arsenal are going to go on a really good run of form, 3-1 Arsenal. What do you reckon? I mean, I don't want to see it, but I think you're right. Let's 2-0 Arsenal. 2-0 Arsenal, yeah, I could see that as well. And then we've got West Ham-West Brom, the Battle of the Wests. 1-0, I think, is another... 1-1, one, one, I could see that. I'm going to go 3-0 West Ham. I just I rate West Ham this season, which pains me because I don't like them. I know they look solid, but it's, again, they've got a sort of... They're doing better than Brighton, but they've got the same mentality of they just can't put it together. I mean, yeah, I agree, but obviously in the table, they're nowhere near yeah, exactly. Brighton. So. They're doing a lot better, but you, you'd think they'd be a lot further up the table with the kind of form they're in. Agreed. Leicester City, Chelsea. That's this is a real test for Chelsea. I yeah. think they lose this game. I think it's two one Leicester. Ooh, I'm gonna go one 0 Leicester. See, no one rates Chelsea this season for a reason. Yeah, no. <laughs> Timo Werner couldn't shoot fish in a barrel. That's all I'm saying about him right now. Maybe you get right onto the edge and still miss it. I know that's true. <laughs> Leeds, Southampton. Ooh, hard game. No, I reckon. I I reckon Southampton could absolutely slap Leeds up. I'm not. I'm not. I even yeah, but on the other hand, I'm like, can Southampton deal with that kind of Leeds attack? Three nil, Southampton. Yeah, I I think it could be something like that. I'm going to go four one Southampton. Or it could be even something like four two. The thing is, Leeds will lose, but they'll always get goals. For sure. Then it's Fulham Manchester United. Oof. Now I'd like to think United are going to slap them up, but you never know. I think it's going to be a tricky one for you guys. I'm going 3-1 United. Ooh, I'm going to go 2-1 United. Don't back us, you bastard. Hey, I need to get up the table as well. <laughs> uh, Man City, Aston Villa. This will be a test for City. This will be. I know that sounds yeah. mental, but Villa are passion merchants and I, they play for the badge. What are you saying? 1-0. I'm going 2-0 uh, Villa. Ooh. I believe in the Aston Villa dream. I'm he buying into the hype. The yeah, but they're not us. <laughs> they're not. What can you do? Burnley, Liverpool, or Liverpool, Burnley. This this would be like a, a catalyst for change for them. I reckon they're going to win 4-0 Liverpool. Yeah, well, I'm going to half that and go 2-0 Liverpool. There you go. Right. It has been another delightful week of football on the Brace Yourselves podcast. No brace. The first braceless showcase oh actually no maybe the first episode didn't have one as well regardless listeners thank you for listening this long the brace showcase will return next week as long as a brace is scored we appreciate you and hope you had a wonderful festive period and new year the football has been tremendous for some and disgusting for others but nevertheless as fickle as we all are football carries on and so do we until next time much love and peace peace